0: We're continuing the sermon series through the Ten Commandments. We come today to the Third Commandment, as has been our custom. We will be reading the Ten Commandments in their entirety, and so I invite you to take the Pew Bible, and you may turn to page 116, no, 61, sorry. Page 61, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17 for the unison reading of God's Word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we do ask now that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Lord, your law is holy, just, and good, and your law leads us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we pray that your Spirit would speak and that we would have a heart to hear your voice and a soul to respond in faith. And we ask it for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Let us read in unison the Word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. to Him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by His blood. To Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes His name in vain. Well, as has been our practice so far, through this series. I'm going to give you four major points now, and then we'll work our way through them. Number one, the significance of God's name. The significance of God's name. Number two, the sanctity of God's name. Three, some of the various ways of violating God's name or taking God's name in vain. And four, the salvation that comes through God's name. So, we begin with the significance of God's name. We could begin by asking the question, what is the significance of any name? What is the significance of your name, my name? Well, your name and mine is important to you and me because it represents us. It represents who we are, and it carries the honor, the identity, the integrity of your reputation as a person. It, it represents you in a legal and a personal sense. Your, your signature on a document is you. <laughs> that is you assuming responsibilities in which you are engaging through that Transaction. Your signature on a, on a birthday card, on a Valentine's card, is you. It, your name is, is communicating your, your personal affection and your love, devotion, loyalty. And you sign that, your name on that card. You understand this. And, and your name is the, the means. It is the instrument by which you enter into personal relationships. What's the first thing you do when you meet someone you do not know? Well, you, you, how do you introduce yourself? What does that mean? Well, you introduce yourself by telling the person your name. I mean, it's all very basic. Right? This is not rocket science, but it's just a way of saying, let's stop and think about the significance of a name. Well, the name of God represents His person, His presence, His power. That's the significance of God's name. It is the way in which He communicates Himself to His people, and the way in which He represents Himself to His people, commits Himself to His people. This is the significance of God's name. It represents His person, His presence, His power. It represents His eternal identity, who He is in the very essence and nature of His infinite, eternal being. And it's very significant, by the way, that we do not worship an unknown, unnamed God. We ought to think about that. I mean, very popular spirituality today to refer to God only in terms of some kind of supreme being, higher power, you know, whatever, consciousness of the universe. No, 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 no. Our God is a living person who has a name. So that gets us to number two, the sanctity of God's name, the holiness of God's name. You remember when God first revealed Himself to Moses out of the burning bush? He revealed His, his personal name, that, that name by which He would enter into covenant with Israel. Yahweh, I am who I am. This is the personal name of God, which was considered by the Jews to be so holy that they would not even speak it for fear of abusing it. They would not even read it aloud when reading Scripture. And so, uh, unto this day, they substitute the word, the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord, in every place that the name Yahweh actually occurs in Scripture. So, verse 7 reads, You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's the literal Hebrew. But you see the word Lord in all capitals, as you do over and over and over again throughout your English translations, when you see the word Lord in the Old Testament in all capitals, it is telling you that the underlying Hebrew word is this covenantal name of God, the personal name of Yahweh. God's name is holy because God is holy. That means that God is set apart, set above, above and beyond all things, transcendent over His creation. There is none other, there is none like Him. He is the one and only. Through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord Yahweh says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other. So God's name represents Him to us in all of His holiness and glory. The same is true also for the other names or titles of God which the Scripture reveals. It would apply in this case, these cases also. The holiness of God's name, the sanctity of God's name applies not only to Yahweh and Lord, but also to the general name, God. And the other names, such as Father, or the Holy One, or the Shepherd, or any of the other names or titles of God given in Scripture, including, of course, Jesus Christ. All of them are to be spoken with reverence because all of them bespeak the infinite and eternal person presence, and power of God. We learn from the Scriptures how to speak to and speak about God and how to speak His name rightly. And listen, listen to the Scripture. This is just a sampling. O oh Lord, our Lord, how, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You see, the Lord's name is majestic in all the earth because He is majestic In all the earth. That's the point. To refer to His name is to refer to Him. Psalm 113 From the rising of the sun to its setting, the. You can do better than that. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Again, the name of the Lord is to be praised because the Lord Himself is to be praised. To praise His name is to praise Him. His name represents and conveys His presence to us. As an affirmation of faith, we declare, as we did in the call to worship this morning, Psalm 124, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, our help is in the name of the Lord because our help is in the Lord, and His name represents His presence and His power with us. The name of the Lord also represents the presence of God in His goodness, mercy, and steadfast love toward us. So we say in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. We could go on and on and on with verses of Scripture which speak God's name as representing Himself. His presence, His power, His very person. And therefore, we're still under number two, the sanctity of God's name. The third commandment teaches us to revere the name of the Lord our God and to speak it only with respect, faith, praise, love, honor, and thanksgiving in our hearts. Now, consider this. When our Lord Jesus taught us how to pray, What is the first thing He taught us to request? The first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, it ought to be the first priority of our lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, how would it be thy name? That's the first priority of the Lord's Prayer. The hallowing, that is, the keeping holy of God's name. That is, that God's name would be honored, adored, revered, feared, and praised, and glorified above all. That was was first in Jesus' priorities of prayer. It corresponds to the third commandment. It's the positive application of the third commandment. Is it our first priority? And here's the reason it matters. If we don't have a holy reverential regard for the name of the Lord, then we will not revere God Himself. If we treat God's name lightly, we will treat God lightly. If we disrespect God's name, we will disrespect God Himself. And that gets us to number three, the various ways of violating the third commandment the various ways of taking God's name in vain. The abuse of God's name is a serious offense. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In fact, in the civil law of Old Testament Israel, to curse with, to curse with God's name was a capital offense. Leviticus twenty four sixteen says, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. And we understand that the civil judicial laws of Old Testament Israel no longer apply in terms of their specific regulations. But but the principle remains. The principle remains The law of ancient Israel tells us how serious an offense blasphemy is. And the third commandment stipulates that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And what that means is this. For the unrepentant, for the unrepentant blasphemer, cursing with God's name is still, spiritually speaking, a capital offense. But cursing with God's name is not the only way in which we take the name of the Lord in vain. Whenever we treat the name of God lightly, tritely, carelessly, casually, flippantly, without a due regard for His infinite holiness and majesty, we are taking His name in vain. Where did we ever get the idea? This is a serious question where did we ever get the idea that God could be the subject of our clever little stories and jokes? Where did we ever get the idea that God could be the subject of our clever little stories and jokes? Not from the Bible. Not from the Bible. We see it all the time on bumper stickers, billboards, advertising, gimmicks. You know, and then all the time on the Internet, and in those emails that get forwarded over and over and over again, these cute little stories or jokes that involve God as one of the humorous characters. And these are not sacrilegious stories. You know, I understand people think that they're, they're intended to be clean humor, heartwarming, sentimental. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. The fact are, they are denigrations of God's infinite majesty and holiness. So, make a note. Don't forward to me any email or internet link that contains some little cute or humorous story about God, don't do it. I will not think it's cute or funny. Okay? In previous generations of biblical Christianity, such trivialities and frivolities with the name of God would have been condemned as violations of the third commandment. We just don't know that anymore. That's all. We just don't know it. The third commandment also applies to oath-taking and the way in which God's name is used or abused in any kind of testimony. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Now, I know that there's some people today who would like to do away with that reference to God in that oath, but historically, our judicial system has, in fact, sought to protect, promote, and preserve the truth in legal testimony by referring to God as the supreme witness and judge. And this has direct reference to uh, not only the ninth commandment, but also the third commandment. Not to take the name of the Lord in vain. Perjury is a violation of the third commandment because a vow to tell the truth has been taken in God's name. And did you know? We take sacred oaths in the life of the church. Did you know that? How about our five membership vows? We won't go through them all, but, for example, do you promise to serve Christ in His church by supporting and participating with this congregation in its worship of God and ministry to others to the best of your ability? Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and to the spiritual oversight of this church session? And do you promise to promote the unity, purity, and peace of the church? Those are sacred vows taken in God's name. And the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes His name in vain. And there are baptismal vows by which the parents promise quote, to use every means possible, including faithful participation in the life of the church, to bring up their child in the nurture and discipline of the Lord. And then the members of the congregation vow to participate with these parents in the Christian nurture of the child so that in due time he or she may profess personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. These baptismal vows are sacred vows taken in the name of, Of the Lord. And the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And of course, there are marriage vows. Will you have this woman to be your wedded wife? Will you have this man to be your wedded husband? To live together in the covenant of marriage, will you pledge your faithfulness to her, to him? in all love and honor, in all duty and service, in all faith and tenderness, to live with her, with him, and cherish her, cherish him, according to the ordinance of God in the holy bond of marriage, for as long as you both shall live. Will you? That's a sacred oath taken in the name of the Lord. And the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. All of these vows, which in our society today, even even in the life of the church, are taken rather lightly, all of them have to do with the third commandment. And there's more. (laughs) There's more. For example, if you have been baptized whenever, wherever, If you've been baptized, think about this. In whose name? In whose name? In whose name were you baptized? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name of the triune God is written upon you. You bear His name. And so do I. So the question is, does my life, does my speech, does my actual behavior, does the agenda and trajectory of my life Bring honor to that name I bear. As a professing Christian, think about this. To say, I am a Christian, I am a Christian, is to identify myself with the name of Christ but to share in his name and to live for myself is to take his name in vain and therefore very practically speaking second 2 timothy 2:19 says let everyone who names the name of the lord depart from iniquity let everyone who names the name of the lord depart from iniquity. Now, that verse is a New Testament exhortation to keep the third commandment. So how are we doing? The law of God tells us what is required of us to obey His revealed will in the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Our culture Even Christianity in America today does not take the law of God very seriously anymore, which, by the way, is the reason that we don't take God very seriously anymore. But when we look at ourselves in the mirror of God's law, we know that we are lawbreakers. So now what do we do? The law shows us that we all are lawbreakers. And therefore the law points us lawbreakers to the one and only law keeper, Jesus Christ. If you ever have in any way violated the third commandment, as have I, you need a Savior, a substitute for you who has kept it perfectly. If you have ever in any way ever violated the third commandment, as have I, you need a perfect lawkeeper as your substitutionary Savior. That gets us to point number four the salvation that comes through the name of the Lord. So I want all of us lawbreakers to get this Jesus Christ came into the world to glorify the name of God, that was his purpose. During the last week of his earthly ministry, the Passion Week, as he consciously knowingly contemplated his sacrificial death on the cross, Jesus said, John chapter 12, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour, Father, Glorify Your name. That was Jesus' prayer as He faced the cross. Jesus was referring to His death on the cross. And you see, for the sake of the glory of His Father, for the sake of the glory of God's name, Jesus submitted Himself to death on a cross because His death on that cross would bring glory to the name of God through the salvation of sinners, you and I, who take the name of the Lord in vain. Stay with me a step further. Earlier in this sermon, we noted that under Old Testament Israel's civil law, blaspheming the name of God, including false testimony using God's name, was a capital offense punishable by death. Well... For what crime was Jesus convicted and on what grounds was Jesus sentenced to death? On the night in which he was betrayed and he then stood before on trial before the Sanhedrin, the high priest said to Jesus, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. He was on trial before the Supreme Court. I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so. And that was Jesus' way of saying yes. In the manner of speech of that day, under oath, adjured by the high priest to testify with the living God as His witness. In the name of the Lord, Jesus said, Yes, I am the Christ, the Son of God. And what was the response? The high priest tore his robes. He has uttered blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Leviticus 24, 16, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. That was the conviction which ultimately sent Jesus to the cross. Violation of the third commandment. Of course, Jesus was wrongly convicted and unjustly sentenced to death. Of course not. Jesus did not violate the third commandment. He was wrongly convicted and unjustly sentenced to death. But here's the reason that that matters to you and me. You and I are the guilty ones, right? We are the blasphemous lawbreakers who have taken the name of the Lord in vain, which means we are the ones who deserve death. But for the glory of God's name, Jesus took the place of lawbreakers. In my place condemned he stood. He suffered the righteous for the unrighteous. He did not take the name of the Lord in vain. He did not deserve death, but for the glory of God's name, He took our place and bore our sins. He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. And therefore... For everyone who believes, there is salvation full and free in His name. Remember what the angel said to Joseph? You shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. And so the Scripture says... There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name, given under heaven by which we must be saved. And everyone who believes in Him receives the forgiveness of sins through His name. And the Apostle John tells us that his gospel was written, quote, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name, because His name represents, conveys and communicates to us His person, His power, and His presence. Over and over and over again, the name of Jesus Christ is exalted as being equal in status, equal in power, equal in glory with the name of God. The name of Jesus represents and conveys to us the person, the presence, the power of the living God. And Philippians 2 9 through 11 says it as clearly as it can be said. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on Him the, come on, bestowed on Him the name name that is above every name. That at the Name. name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, listen to this, is Lord. Lord. Lord, the great I am who I am. The one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. The one whose name is not to be taken in vain. Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, here's your take home. Here's your take home. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And 2 Thessalonians 1.12, May the name of our Lord Jesus be glorified in you. May the name of the Lord Jesus be glorified in you. To God be the glory. Amen. That's pray. Father, we thank You for such a great salvation that You have worked for us in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us grace, O Lord, that we might never shame Your name but only glorify it in word and deed. In Christ our Savior, Amen. Now, in response to the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, we stand to affirm our faith with the Philippian Creed, <coughs> which we just referred. We have the whole gospel, as it were, encapsulated in this passage. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who both He was in the form of God did not count in equality God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen.